Well, it's a dynamic duo, we'll be back again. Nothing back with DJ, you better pack it in. You're lacking sense. Trying to tangle with us, scoop up a big black booties in the back of the bus to smack you. You're stealing your lunch, money to search. Ready to feel like just a touch. Only by the end of the day, that's understandable. What can I say? You got strong man to be. Mind, mind, I apologise for my absence last week. I was on a uh, 10-day contract with the Lakers on their coaching staff while Vogel proved that it wasn't the coach's fault that the team was shit <laughs> by getting himself COVID and the team still being shit while he was away. It's almost like everyone has COVID and everyone has... It's- <laughs> Is oh, a, no. are, we, are we doing a podcast now? Yeah, yeah, sure. Well, I should probably start recording then. <laughs> I got my bit. Um, I would just want to make sure that bit doesn't make the, the edit because that was fucking lame. That wasn't worth taking a week and a half off for. Uh, I don't even know what episode we're up to. Fucking hell. Look, I, I tried to like think about the NBA this week and what we we're going to talk about and it's like, shrug your shoulders, who the fuck knows? Well, because we don't even know if the uh, Christmas Day games are actually going to happen at this and, stage, and, or, or, or in which order, because they they might reshuffle them <laughs> in terms of which teams actually have full starting lineups. Let's put yeah. them in the uh, in the network television time slots, or the Christmas uh, Day G League Showcase, as it's been called on Twitter. Right? Yes, or the Christmas Day fucking um, Big Three League Showcase. With uh, Joe Johnson signing for the Celtics and, and playing. Didn't, didn't, wasn't there a statistic that it was like 19 years since the last time he'd played for the Celtics? Yeah, I think And, of course, was... he came out and basically won the game for them with the, with the oldest of old man buckets. So I think it's him and Dirk that have scored a bucket for the same team 19 years apart or something. Dirk doing yeah, it just a, a little Dirk bit. Dirk was still there for most <laughs> yeah. of those 19 years. <laughs> he, he was on the same team for the whole time. Yeah. yeah. I saw Joe went on a little bit of a mesh. You can tell that the media is sort of struggling for nice things, to, like good things to say about the NBA right now because it's all Isaiah Thomas and things. Joe Johnson. Yeah. Well, everyone's fucking panicking because the whole the whole point of this exercise was to get to the money, and the money, the bag is endangered by uh, the Omicrons. Well, I was going to pay you out on your on the um, on the fantasy bet. I was like. Look, I think you've got a big enough lead that, you know, I'm not going to- I thought I'm, you were just going to say you're going to pay me out regardless <laughs> because I, I'm, that's pretty much the, the premise of this podcast is we just end up just paying each other out. But, I mean, there's a yeah, there's a lead, but- Yeah, um, it, it, who, who knows what could happen? You, your, your teams might not play for six weeks. Who, who the fuck knows what's going to- yeah, so all- my, team, um, my teams are 171 and 146. Bezos are 153 and 154. They're just one game below mediocrity, and Adams, although both, although he actually has both teams at the top of the East, mm. uh, the rest of his teams are so shit that he's 143 and 167. So, well, I don't know how I'm second because I really only have one good side in the whole in the whole thing. I was like, holy shit! Whereas, but you've it's got- a good side. A good West side is yeah. exactly what you what you need because a good if you've got one of the best West sides, you've got a team that's twenty five and five. Whereas you've got three. And the reason I'm winning is that I've got two of the best West sides because I've got Golden State and Utah. Utah. And Utah have been absolutely flying in the last little patch. They've been. Um, I think. I think. I mean, every year it seems like there's a team that has the best 
offensive net rating in history. But mm. now it's Utah who have now got the the you know the best offensive net rating in history. Yeah, you've got three of the five teams that potentially could win the championship. <laughs> so you're going okay. Or, or to frame it another way, you and Adam gave me three of the five teams that are, that yeah. are good enough to win the I think, championship. I think the gold, the Golden State one is the one that's really inconceivable. Like probably should have seen that happen because you picked them sixth or something, didn't you? Sixth, yeah. Yeah. Because my, my first because I picked um, third, you, I think. Yeah. I think I picked second because I took Denver and didn't Adam take the Lakers first? <laughs> I think Adam, Adam picked second in both. Because he, he was trying to avoid picking the Lakers, but he thought someone else would pick the Lakers at one. And I was like, have you no. met us? <laughs> yes. Look, I'm hating. I, I feel like I want to lose just because I, I picked Boston. I, I, I'm, I'm like, you deserve not to win this year. You picked the fucking green team. Well, so did Was, and it worked out for him. Mm. He's getting yes. them checks. Fuck yeah. yeah he, he seems to think that he's uh, been brought on for the, the hot take machine, and he, he's on the nerd pod flinging his hot takes around and it's just like fuck off back to the athletic please no um, no the, the athletic pods are fantastic i'm entirely fine without him he, mm, he can go off and just well, be i mean he's, he's built for the ringer he's, he's built he's just like a he's like a haitian chris vernon he's yeah. ideal just shit take after shit take which which is like put put them all on that put all the shit takes on the one pod together and that's cool because like well, i think what they figured out was that the, the podcast geniuses at spotify figured out oh the nerd pod is unlistenable because it's got too many nerds, nerds let's, yeah. let's fuck it up with let's <laughs> throw a roll a hand grenade into the room and see what happens um but if you will listen to ring a pod you're listening to ring a podcast and picking the celtics mm. you're basically boston right <laughs> yeah that's right I, I might as well support the Patriots. you basically stink of mayo well, that's true because I do like mayonnaise. Um, <laughs> Strike three. <laughs> Who doesn't like mayo? Um, look, is there is there anything actually worthwhile that's come out of the last three weeks of the NBA other than Utah are really good and Phoenix are the most boring good side in the history of the league? Joe Johnson. Joe Johnson. Oh, yeah. Joe Johnson. Oh, I mean, it has been a good... There's been some good little narrative stories. Like it was great to see Isaiah Thomas come back and and rack up a whole bunch of points. You know, he, he can't defend you know a wet sack of shit. But so he's perfect for the Lakers. Neither can anybody else on that team, and that's why the Lakers are a flat five hundred. Mind you, that puts that makes them one game better than you. I actually, I think it's really cool that there's a whole bunch of these G League guys because it's not just the big names like Joe Johnson and Isaiah Thomas. There's yeah. a whole bunch of role players that have scrapped and fought and, and you know, basically if they get 100 NBA minutes, they will see their life as an absolute success, you know. Um, they're not the they're, – they're like the anti-Andrew Wiggins who, you know, uh, shit full of, shitload of talent yeah. and – and just um, had talent to piss away, and that's literally yeah. what he did with it until until about six months ago. Yeah, the, 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 there's been a couple of um, articles on the G League showcase, and one really interesting one about that. That sounds like the world's worst game show <laughs> or Variety Hour from the fifties about Denver's side playing um, the G League Ignite, which is you know the all the young kids, you know the sort of high school kids that. Are, you know, want to get yeah. paid rather than going to college. This year's Jonathan Kamingas and Jalen Greens and so forth. Yeah. And so 
the Denver team had Stauskas, Stauskas, who's also picked up a 10-day, and Lance, who's picked up a 10-day. Basically, they've got all the old... All the old guys that yeah, uh, what you've Mark- got there, what you've got there is basically the future of the league versus the future of the league circa twenty twelve. But it re- it reminded me like the, the the article describing this game reminded me of the old Queensland Cup where the Queensland Cup would have you know ex NRL players would go back to their sort of. Uh, area and and you know play one like Webke went back and played a season and Petro played a season in the in the Queensland Cup so you'd have these old grizzled veterans or guys that were just on the fringes of the NRL and then you'd get these 20s players that you know their clubs would send them up to their feeder leagues to to run around and I could just just imagine a 17 year old running against an old fucking Webke and just getting his head smushed into the ground you know repeatedly as he made silly mistakes. And that's what this game sort of looked like. It was, you know, all the old guys basically running through their list of tricks that would get them buckets against rookies that don't know shit about that, what they're doing. But these rookies, these young guys are so talented. And so um, I guess the difference between young guys on a college team and young guys on a on a team like this is, you know, they've basically got NBA-level coaches in the, in the huddle you know, coaching them up about where they need to improve on the fly. So in the second half, some of the tricks that the NBA guys were pulling, you know, these guys were running functional defense and are hyper-athletic and don't get tired. And so they sort of pull back into the into the mix with in this game and their athleticism and their, you know, basically their raw talent uh, overcame the smarts of the ex NBA guys, but it was just a, you know, you you're just never going to get that experience in college, no matter how stacked a Kentucky side or a Duke side is. You, you're never going to get that that sort of uh, <laughs> sneaky, um, sly sort of uh, education that you know ex- guys on the fringes of the NBA are going to give you, I guess. Yeah, and that's exactly why going to Europe or going to Australia is a better option than going to the fucking college, which is mm. just about entirely about branding and, and experiencing stuff, you know, having a nice time. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see whether, like, uh, what's the guy, Scoot, is it Scoot Henderson, I think, is the 16-year-old who's playing on the... Anyone called Scoot can fuck off. Is that the well, name of that fucking dickhead who, who bought all the Taylor Swift's uh, licensing? Scooter, I think he was a Scooter too, Ma- was it? Scooter McGavin, Scooter Braun or something. Um, but he had like a, a block where he was out on his player and like obviously they they must have run a play earlier and he knew what the rotation was and he's just left his guy on, on the corner and just risen up and just like the elevation and the, and the athleticism just blocked the fuck out of um, – Lance Stevenson, which was always funny. Lance Stevenson being blocked is always funny. Um, yeah, and it's just like I don't know. It's just it's just a fascinating thing to see whether those guys are going to come into the NBA so much better prepared for that first year of NBA than than the guys coming out of college are. Yeah, although I think there's a, a huge talent variable and, and a maturity mm. variable, and yeah, and particularly the guys who've been to college for four years will come out being you know, much more mature human beings. Well, that that was the other thing about um, that the guys are talking about, like the different 
ways you can get to the NBA now. And like there, there might be a uh, like a, a a section of players that will play two or three years in college because they can get that, um, you know, they can get that endorsement money. So, you know, there's probably a certain type of college uh, sponsorship package that tries to keep you at a college for two or three years rather than jumping yeah. and being a role player in the NBA, you know, being a one-and-done role player into the NBA. Like, you're never going to keep those those superstar guys. They're, they're still going to be one-and-done. But you might keep the... Uh, like the Terrence Manns or, you know, the guys that are going to be solid role players in the NBA, you might keep them in college for another year if you can pay them half a million dollars. I don't think that's, I mean, is that changing your life when you could be, when you can get an NBA contract? I don't, I don't know if it is. I guess if you're going into the possibility of playing, like, like if you're not a certainty to go in the second round, like say, say you're going to be an undrafted player and you might get picked up or you might get a couple of 10-day contracts or you might go to the G League. Like maybe you just want the, um, you know, the crew, you know, you, you just want to develop your game for another year in college and get half a million dollars. I, I don't know. I think there'll be a, a like a, a third class of player that will play three or four years in, in college rather than trying to crack the NBA simply because there's a little bit of money there. Yeah. Could, could be wrong. It, it, and they'll it, be more likely the ones who'll then go and and push on and have a career in Australia or Europe or somewhere. Yeah, like they that. might just Something be solid like. solid professionals. Yeah, yeah, for for the rest of their lives playing, you know, playing. Basically. And essentially, that's what a lot of those guys do anyway. Yeah, like the, the the people who would have stayed in college for for three or four years because they they need the backup of finishing of actually the education thing that they always put forward as being the, the what they're getting paid to do. Well, just for this very small minority of players, it's actually what they need. Yeah. In order to uh, to keep their shit going. So, yeah, I guess oh, the, the other big story since last time we talked was the the Nets rolled on the Kyrie thing because Durant was basically burning out in front of their eyes and they're like, fuck, we need some help. Well, they had the choice between, you know, signing Joe Johnson or the guy who's already on the, on the fucking books. They can mm. just say, well, we can get, you know, a couple of games out of this guy. Problem is they can't then go back on it. They're stuck with him. No, that's it. Stuck with him for good now. Or it could be get his, you know, you have to play him to get his trade value up. You know, he's got to play some games to prove that, yeah. he, that he's fit enough to play and then, you know, piss him off. For- and then uh, time for Kyrie. <laughs> Look, th- th- for, for all the chatter about trade season, like everyone's like, oh, trade season, December 14 or whatever it was. It's just well, been yeah, that, I mean, that was that's the time at which you can actually trade players who have signed, signed. shit. Yeah. I think I felt like that was a lot of wish fulfillment from – NBA journalists, yeah. journalists, because they it. really want they want there to be a fucking a Simmons trade or a, or a Dame, Dame trade. trade or even a McCollum trade. Because no one's trading anybody while the, while the rosters are churning like they are, mm. churning like a nineteen ninety England Ashes lineup, just bringing in people and sending them out again, and bringing in people and sending them out again. Yep. Cleveland are fourth in the East. Yeah, they are nineteen and thirteen. And this is not a joke. This is not a drill. They are still fucking here. Yeah, I don't get it. And they and they had the hardest first quarter strength of schedule, so they've actually been through, you know, based on on who's winning this year, they've been through the hardest part of their schedule. It, yeah, it, it like you know who knows with COVID and, and who knows with it, yeah. yeah. Uh, put put the disclaimer on on everything we have to say in terms yeah. of of you know predicting the future, but. but 
but it's not like they played Orlando four times and and yeah. the Timberwolves four times. <laughs> like, hey, the Thunder are actually tied for the play-in game at the moment. So okay. <laughs> Um, Thunder the, are good, man. Thunder the, don't give in. That's the, the, the thing I love about the Thunder is they just don't. Um, uh, no, they're not tied for the playing game. They're thirteenth. What I'm looking oh, at. Oh, tied in the loss column for tenth, I think. Yeah. I think. Okay. Yeah. So. Yeah, they're they're eleven and nineteen. Portland are thirteen and nineteen. Yeah. Two and eight in their last ten. Look, and just just fucking awful. Like their uh, <laughs> opposition points per game is one hundred and eleven. Like that's that's. Uh, that's, I mean, the, the Lakers are worse, but um, yeah, that's a, it's appalling. It's really bad. The thing with the Thunder is right; they got three really good starters. They could trade some of their draft capital for uh, a young guy like Sabonis or Collins, who's still in their timeline and would still have shitloads of draft picks left and be like frisky. If they had a- well, they've actually done the right thing recently because they they had a loss against um, a fellow struggler. Was it? It was the the game where um, Devon Graham hit oh, that the, uh, the, full court um, shot. Pelicans. Who the Pelicans have been like a five hundred team for the yeah, last. Yeah, they've been decent games just recently. So yeah, um, but then they uh, they beat uh, the Clippers, and because the, they own a lot of the Clippers <laughs> picks, picks. So it was like a double win. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, well, the Clippers, the Clippers are one of those sides that, like the Lakers, is one bad little losing streak. Like if Paul George had a tweak and they had a losing, they could easily be down in that nine ten spot. Um, there's a real t- well, sort well, of that, three tier say, they, to the West, isn't there? They don't play on Christmas Day this year, hmm. but if they did, and the Lakers beat the Clippers, they'd have the exactly the same record. They'd both be, you know, uh, seventeen and sixteen. Hmm. Clippers we- do not play on Christmas Day. Um, the Nets are playing the Lakers, which which feels like a an absolute COVID bonanza. I'll be amazed if, <laughs> well, if anything anything recognisable. We should talk about the Christmas Day games, which, well, which happen on Boxing Day in Australia and New at, Zealand. At, Atlanta Knicks without Trey. Yeah, oh, and there's more than that missing, aren't there? There's, there's, yeah. I mean, Derek Rose is out for eight weeks for ankle surgery. Ankle surgery. The Hawks literally just lost uh, today. To the fucking magic, mm. and uh, the Hawks and the Knicks are like fourteen and sixteen, fourteen and seventeen. So that's going super well. Um, the Celtics and the Bucks. The Celtics being a flat five hundred team, and the Bucks. Bucks are decent. Um, so we'll have to see if um, if Joe Johnson can lead the lead the Celtics past the Bucks. There, that sounds like an appalling game. Suns Warriors. Is, it, it, has, it's the like, last couple pl- have been tremendous. Please this one save will be us. Tremendous. Please save us, Suns Warriors. <laughs> yes. Like, like the the NBA might play make the Suns and Warriors play three back to back games on Christmas Day just to pull them out of the shit. They might just have to space out the quarters. Yeah, give them right. enough time to recover. What one television network gets a quarter each? So that's about uh, eleven o'clock New Zealand time. So that must be about. Um, but eight, eight, eight in the morning, your time. So that's prime fucking prison opening time. So, not, although that it is Boxing Day, I should. That's prime uh, waking up with a hangover from drinking too much fucking Bailey's on ice uh, on Christmas night. Um, the Nets and the Lakers. Christ knows who's even playing in that. Um, well, what's LA's uh, vaccination? Situations. California are they also like uh, New York? I'm trying to think. Well, I think they it's, are. 
no, San Francisco is. I don't think LA's quite as bad. But the thing yeah, with, with- I, I, the rules are often different for visiting people anyway. The thing so I'm just trying to figure the, out if Kyrie's playing, then he might turn up for that game. Well, I don't think he, I don't think he can because he's in protocols and because he's. Oh, not that's vac- right, he is too. Of because course. he's not vaccinated, he's got to. Because he's not vaccinated, and he's got an extended yeah, fucking. He's, he's got the, the COVID. He's got to. Um, he's got a test for t- negative for ten days. Yeah, and you'd have to think, you know, oh, the Mavericks versus Jazz, that'll be a good game. But Doncic is in protocols. Yeah. So and, uh, and their team is rubbish. They're. <sighs> I don't know what to make of them, mate. They're um, occasionally they. I mean, they had a good win against the Timberwolves that I saw the other day, mm. and the Timberwolves have been really good just recently. Oh, not just recently. I should reframe that. They've been pretty good, but they've had a little bit of a slide with Anthony Anthony Ed, Edwards out, and it just shows to show that he, he might not necessarily be the best player on the court, but he's certainly the most important. He's he's there. Um, he's their junior burger, Jimmy Butler, isn't he? Uh, yeah. Anthony Edwards. He's probably a better quote, but. Um, but yeah, he's definitely the, the guy who, the guy they've been looking for, uh, in terms of, of you know a, a spiritual leader, it, more than this to to unlock the best out of the, their playing leaders. The, the weird thing with um, the Timberwolves is that Cat quite often takes the third most amount of shots. Like I can understand him being second occasionally, you know, him and Edwards bouncing off usage rates, but it just seems mad to give. D'Lo more shots than Cat. That doesn't seem like a good way to win. That's a seniority thing, I think. Uh, I guess so. And Cat seems to seems to be quite you know different. Yeah. He, he passes things up. Mm. He's a facilitator, which is odd because he's got the he's got the game of a dude who should be a dominator, but he's, he, that's just not his not his go at all. Yeah. So a, a quick cruise through the standings uh, in the East. We've got Brooklyn and Chicago. Um, which are 21 and 9 and, and 19 and 10, respectively. Then Milwaukee, 20 and 13. Cleveland and Miami at 19 and 13. Then Washington and Philadelphia, both 16 and 15. Washington, Washington, Washington. Washington. <laughs> uh, Boston at a flat, a flat 500, 16 and 16. Charlotte, Toronto. And then you dip below the line to Atlanta, New York, uh, Indiana, who actually have a positive net rating, but. You know, I don't think that's that's not really helping. They really suck at the moment. Uh, Rick Carlisle has been out for was out for quite a while with COVID, and then he uh, he came back, and they got like beaten by thirty by the Heat the other day. Yeah, uh, uh, Orlando and Detroit. So there's your East. Over in the West, you've got Phoenix, Golden State, and Utah, who are kind of a a clear order of magnitude better than everybody else. Uh, followed by Memphis, who are fourth. Uh, the two LA sides. Denver, Dallas, Minnesota, and Portland. Uh, there is also a bit of a step between Minnesota and Portland at 10, and then San Antonio, Sacramento, OKC, New Orleans, uh, who are all kind of in the same neighborhood. And even Houston aren't completely out of it at, um, no, at well, they had that. They had that eight-game winning streak. So Yeah, and now they've lost two. But if, if they continued on that pace, they could have um, – but how far they've got to get? Uh, they've got to get to thirteen and nineteen from ten and twenty-two. So it's, I mean, they're not—they're only three games back of tenth. Uh, Basketball, yeah. Uh, just like uh, other than you know Utah, Phoenix, Golden State being good, the Bucks being good when they get their team on the floor, and Durant keeping the Nets afloat, but sort of half killing himself to do it. That the rest of the league just feels so far in flux. Look. The, the Lakers, right, owe their pick to – if it's top 10, it goes to New Orleans, and if it's top 
if it's under 10, it goes to Memphis. And, like, both teams are like, well, we're going to get a pretty good pick. Like, it's either going to be top 10 or it's going to be, you know, in that 10 to to 13 range because the Lakers aren't going to be one of the top teams in the league. It's not going to be the 32nd pick, that's for sure. No, they're – um. well, LeBron – LeBron went over in the game that they were playing the other day, the one that Melo got uh, tossed for a fairly a fairly weak kind of uh, double technical. And, and when and LeBron was on the deck holding his ankle, he just thought, "Fuck, they're they're, hmm. they're not even going to make the play in them uh, the way they're going." Do you reckon that's? Do you reckon that was a bit of subtweeting Anthony Davis because he like got up and tightened his shoe up and then kept playing? So like you know, yeah, but he did, <laughs> after he did the whole. I'm dying, I'm dying, I'm yeah, dying, that's... I'm dying. I'm going to tie my shoe up. And, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's you've lo- seen it for fucking 20 years. He loves a bit of performance theatre. He really does. Yes. He, it, it, only people could convince him to stop doing it because that's what gave us um, Space Jam Space 2. Space Jam, yeah. Uh, dear. Shall we, shall we um, briefly talk about the English cricket team? Shall we pivot to, to laughing at other uh, bad actors? I just found it funny that, it took two games for Root to, like, you know, lay down the law and this isn't – it's like, do, do you guys not – like, playing in Australia is not complicated, right? You, you pitch the ball – like, how many years have we we complained about the Australian team, you know, forgetting that if you pitch the ball – you know, that at one stage you just hired the bowling coach to just walk around and look look the bowlers in the eye and go, pitch the fucking ball up, we'll take some wickets. I, I, it's just – it's it's almost like there's this Bermuda Triangle – that starts at the Gabba and extends out over the rest of the country that makes fast bowlers want to bowl short. And uh, someone was, was sharing the stat that um, in the last – was it the last seven tests where Anderson Broad and Stokes or Wokes have played, uh, England have lost every single one of them. They're, they're away tests. Yeah. And Anderson and Broad together are, are you know haven't won an away test in a million years, hmm. which is kind of goes counter to the, what you'd expect or think, but – I don't really feel like they were the. It's not as though their bowling's been the problem. No, they can't. They because can't score runs. They can't. They can't score runs for shit. Batting has been heroically naive at the top of the top of the dig. And and they're catching like yeah, it, they're catching as a pull. Well, one of the points. I mean, uh, Jared Kimber pointed this out in his newsletter today, or, uh, today or yesterday. Um, they have no idea what they're doing at wicketkeeper, and it is actually costing them games because yeah. Josh Butler. Is not is probably probably the third or fourth best wicketkeeper available to England, but they keep picking him because he can bat. Yeah, but like he looks like when he can focus on his batting, he's a better batter than like three of their top six. Oh yeah, and, I think he averages like five runs more when and, he's not when he's not keeping wicket. And Stokes is obviously better than most of their top. So, so just pick your best wicketkeeper at seven, and pick Butler and Stokes in your in your top six. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> and, what they were doing. And then they just kept faffing about. So uh, fucking hell, it's very strange. Um, it's England cricket; they don't know what they're doing. Because yeah, you would. That's t- not to say Australia knows what the fuck they're doing. I did like Steve Smith's captaincy, where he decided, which like always frustrated me about his old captaincy, which is that he would just bowl the, the same four bowlers all the time, endlessly. And this time he's like, ah, oh, Travis Head. You want to have a run? Uh, Labuschagne, you want you want a good spell? I might even have a bowl. <laughs> he, I think he bowled the last one before the new new ball, didn't he? Yeah, he bowled the last one. No, no, he bowled two overs and then I think Head bowled the last one before the before the. There was a lot the, of top order filth. Yeah, 
I I I love I love buying a wicket like that. It's, it just makes me very happy. And you've got lots of runs to play with. You should absolutely, you know, plenty of top order filth. It, it was hilarious though watching all the old journalists in, um, you know, so they'd obviously seen something in Cameron Green in his warm up, or and I wonder whether you know because Australia has all that biometric feedback that. Um, you know, the, the, a lot of the NBA guys wear in training but aren't allowed to wear in games. But yeah. I wonder whether there was something in their data that said, you know, he's not quite getting the lift in the warm-up that he was, that we're expecting, and said to Smith, like, if you can get away with not bowling him, don't bowl him today. And, like, they didn't really need to bowl him. <laughs> and so he got two overs. Well, it got late. It yeah. did get late. Yeah. But did you ever really feel like, the England were going to bat out for a draw, like through that last session of the the wicket starting to crumble a little bit under lights. Like it never really felt there were any chance. They've done it before too many times, mm. so I, I can understand the argument that you know what makes you that confident that that you know if he's got, if he's you know unable to bowl without pain today, why is he going to be any better in you know in you know half a week's time? Yeah. So why are you saving for tomorrow when you need to spend for today? I think the idea that you could bowl uh, the two new guys in the team as much as you like because the, the chances of them playing in Melbourne were pretty slim. Yeah, particularly um, Neza. Yeah. Is, you know, Neza yeah. must play. But if he wants to play more, Neza must play, play better. Well, even, it was um, fine. Um, even Richardson, like his first innings to his second innings was night and day like yeah he, he was really good with the in the second dig yeah the first innings you sort of like really felt the like you missed hazelwood and cummins and their accuracy and their like ability to bowl to a plan and then the second innings he's it's like oh yeah that's that's right you're a really fucking good bowler as well all right that's right this is actually my home pitch i should yeah. know what i'm doing here hmm. so yeah um Oh, there you go. Hazelwood's not playing in Melbourne, so maybe Richardson will get another crack. I would have thought he'll get another run. Yeah. It does feel like that that period of Australian cricket where, you you know, a guy like Bickle would miss out on a test match and you couldn't really be that upset about it because of the quality of the guys that were actually in the side. But it's like, well, if they do miss, it's you've got... Bickle coming in and who's a really fucking good bowler. And or, if we had the biometric um, data, yeah. if we had the same biometric data that we had now in in the nineties and the early two thousands, Bickle mm. and you know Gillespie and Casper and all those guys would have would have, would have seen a lot more regular. Yeah, yeah, because there would have been rotation and there would have been horses for courses selections uh, in a way that there there probably wasn't back then because it was just you pick <laughs> your best side and you just roll with the best side until best side's legs fall off. Yeah, and Harris might still have some knee cartilage in his knees. Yeah, well, speaking um, of Harris's, I don't think uh, I, don't, I suspect Marcus Harris might be. Uh, yeah, I don't know. You don't. You don't like you know, the, the the old truism about not changing a, a winning side. A winning side, but mm. um, he sucks. Can we get him out of here? Yeah, it would be a bit rough to drop him for for Melbourne, but you know, tough shit. Hey, was it? Would it, I've seen a lot of chatter in the last couple of weeks about the Formula One season. Was it a particularly interesting? season or was it just close and that's why there was interest in it? It was close and it was bitter. bitter. It was close and it was political. And keep in mind, you've got millions of of people who've got into it through the Drive to Survive. Ah, through the Netflix series. Yeah, the the, the Netflix plastics. And, um, and And Drive to Survive is way low on the racing and way high on the drama. 
Yeah. So this is this has felt like a Netflix season. Like it's all been about the drama and the, you know, the team bosses bitching each other and the, you know, all that kind of stuff. And the actual racing, the racing's been all right, but I mean, Formula One racing is generally pretty contrived because they've got, you know, tires that go off and they've got, um, you know, rear wings that, that let you pass when you, you know, when you're behind someone and all this sort of stuff. And the, the ending was, was hideously contrived where the, the, the race director just, just made a fucking Hollywood call in order to, to sort of engineer a close a close finish, and uh, and basically the guy behind was always going to pass the guy in front, particularly because Max had new tyres and Lewis didn't. So yeah, um, which was it, it's kind of a an embarrassing and shit way to finish, but it doesn't really matter because the people who uh, like it for the drama are enjoying it for the drama. It did seem like a little while ago that Formula One might sort of technology itself out of. Uh, relevance, but it, I don't know whether, you know, like the, the Netflix thing obviously will help with the casual viewer, but it's it seems like they've sort of come back with a little bit more, I don't know whether parody is the right word, but a little bit more interest that it's not going to be, you know, whoever has the best tech is going to win every season. Is, is that the case? Or I think they've made a commitment to be an entertainment series over a over a sporting contest, over a technological contest. I think that okay. since they got bought by the large American, you know, by Liberty Media, I think they've figured out. Oh, what we we need to be, we need to turn the dial toward, more towards entertainment product and away from um, technological um, superiority, uh, extravaganza. Yeah, which which you know obviously uh, thrills the purists, but um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, um, there are a lot of people who kind of. You know, so this is the greatest thing ever. And you think this, oh, you guys should have been around in the late 2000s when, you know, there were five years in a row there were better championship finishes than this. Yeah. People, you know, passes on the last lap that weren't bullshit passes that were actually, actually fucking, you know, legit ones. Or, or like, sort of contrived nonsense. What, what, what was the, the that sort of peak when the, you know, they had the, the fully flat tyres and the, and the cars were barely controllable missiles? Uh, it's a bit hard to say because something was always shit. Like the the in the period where they had like the massively powerful V10s that had like a thousand horsepower, they also ran these ridiculous groove tires yeah. to try and stop them from cornering as well. So they were kind of pretty horrible to drive. Um, tended to kind of scud through the corners. But but the, the late nineties, the racing was tremendous. I mean, there was a couple of like ninety seven, eight, and nine were tremendous championship years. Even two thousand, which Schumacher won, was was a really good fight. Uh, and 2006, 7, 8, 9, 10 were all really good years. And 12, what I mean by that is, is you know, final race, championship deciders, uh, multiple people going for the title sort of stuff. So, yeah. Um, it's not like it's not like they basically invented anything here. But uh, it was the, f- the thing is that it's the first one for so long. It's the first time that anyone's come close to beating Mercedes properly. So that's why people were excited. But, yeah. I'd be pretty disgusted if I was uh, paying a German company paying a lot of money to be in Formula One. <laughs> Mind you, they um they completely rigged the the finale of the German Touring Car Championship, the DTM, uh, in their favour uh, in order to to rip off the young Kiwi Liam Lawson, who was in a Red Bull Ferrari. Uh, basically, they got all their teams to move out of their way so that the one guy could could come through and win. So um, so yeah, you know, engineering Karma. result makes you look like a fuckwit. So uh, see what happens. Uh, all right, Doc. Well, should we take a little break and come back and we should r- do that. R- wrap up the tunes for the year. We're we wrapping up the tunes for the year. I've still got like five albums I want to I want to review. Well, might might be a bring out our dead week then. 
<laughs> we might have to do a everything must go bargain bin sale. Yeah, sounds good. All right. I'll, um, I'll catch you on the flip side. Cheers, man. See ya. Gary has absolutely no idea what has happened to it. Still doesn't know. Now you have a great Christmas. Yes, I will. What are you What are you cooking up? Um, not too much this year. We're going to going to the in laws' new house. I don't really know what facilities, but I threw a whole heap of potatoes in a in a back bag with some duck fat today and sous vide them so they're nice and tender. And I'm just going to flash roast them. So it's very, it's very on brand. <laughs> that's that's. I love about- the fact that even even if Christmas isn't at your place, you still have to do the fucking cooking. Oh man. It- I love my in-laws, but they're very and, and like I eat a lot of salad now since I've sort of ch- changed my my diet and exercise habits. But you've got to have roast potatoes on Christmas Day. <laughs> well, we might we might do um, it's new potato season, so we might, I might actually just do um, we'll do boiled potatoes. But I might yeah, do, I'm going to do um, really slow roast pork, mm. um, which probably means I have to start it at like six in the morning. <laughs> Um, but I'm probably going to do kumara as the, as the roast veggie under that, because uh, that, that mops up. The kumara tends to soak up lard like nothing on earth, so that'll be uh, particularly um, delicious and grotesque. Oh, fuck off with your bloody talking at me. How rude.